Okay, uh, welcome back. Um, so, okay. so, the professor was talking about economic resonance this morning. Um, so, if there are any questions on the back of that, um, please let yourself be known. Ludwig? Uh, professor, could you further elaborate on, the, on what you um, were pointing towards? Basically, what you expect um, to happen in the bond markets um, and what the implications might be for the, um, for the commodity markets um, or the stock markets. Because um, you uh, didn't uh, explicitly state your conclusion. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I just have to say first that I'm not a market analyst by any means. I'm just a passive observer and uh, with a few insights which puts me uh, apart from the majority of the analysts and market observers. So the first observation, I, uh, therefore I'm a little bit reluctant to answer a direct question like this, but I make an exception here and I will uh, share my thoughts with you. Uh, the first observation is something I already made during my uh, presentation mm -hmm. this morning, and it is that I don't think that we are going to <coughs> <clears throat> that we are at a turning point and the falling interest rate will turn around and turn off. I don't think so. And um, as you know, most observers, most analysts are predicting this, that it's imminent, that it can happen any time, or it's already happening. And uh, my uh, reason for doubting this is that I don't see any big change in the behavior pattern of the bond speculators. They, they, you have to realize that no savers in their right mind would invest in bonds, especially government bonds. They wouldn't, because uh, practically zero interest with inflation variously estimated from six to double digits, six percent per annum double digits. It, you, you are, as uh, Franz Peck, an early uh, critique of the uh, monetary system, uh, fiat money, irredeemable currency system said, bonds are certificates of guaranteed confiscation. <laughs> exact words, and, and I can't quarrel with that. That's exactly the way it's happening. So, uh, who are buying bonds? Why is it that they can say? Well, for a long time, China was a buyer, whether enthusiastic or not is another question, but they thought that the, to keep their industries humming at a, at a regular clip was, was a good thing and it was worth the risk. 
But uh, that is way, way past. Now, I think they have second thoughts. The, the, um, the Japanese were buying for uh, their reasons of own, but in any case, it was an occupied country. Now, there you can go through the list and you will find that these bond buyers disappeared one after the other after the other. So today we are at the point that it's almost 100% bond speculators who are buying bonds. And they do because they can still uh, do this risk-free arbitrage, which is, uh, you see, the uh, Federal Reserve is, uh, is uh, buying bonds uh, in the open market, and then they try to preempt this, and they can in most cases, because uh, incredibly the Federal Reserve publishes its schedule, not just how much and when, but also what type of bonds they are going to sell. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, what more could they do to help the bond speculators to make a risk-free profit? So because of this, the, uh, the uh, bond speculators are still buying. However, one thing is important for everybody to realize that Quantitative easing is, cuts, is cutting into that business because quantitative easing means if you uh, peel off these words which are there to confuse, not to enlighten at all, then what it means is direct purchases of treasury bonds by the Fed from the treasury, direct. So the open market is bypassed. By the way, this is illegal. It's not allowed. It's not envisaged by the Federal Reserve Act, even after the several amendments, direct purchases. They, they were allowed for a short time during World War II to finance the war effort of the United States. But very soon after the war, the uh, Congress stopped it and they said this is illegal. And uh, the, the Federal Reserve is not supposed to buy bonds directly. The bonds have to be exposed to the uh, wear and tear of the market, to the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, quoting Shakespeare, then it's convincing if these bonds can survive in the rough environment of the free market, then the Federal Reserve is allowed to buy it. But if it isn't, then it's not. So th these are the only purchasers of the bond left. Just to reinforce your point, Professor, uh, let me quote a current statistic. Uh, currently, and this is official, the Fed is monetizing, i.e. directly buying, more than 60% of the new U.S. Uh, debt uh, 
only in, I think, late 2008, uh, we have reached uh, almost 100% at a certain point in time uh, at the height of the last crisis. Um, but we are now at 60% again. And I think still growing. So uh, of those uh, probably 1.7, 1.8 trillion dollars that the US will go into new debt this year, uh, more than 1 billion will be acquired directly by the Fed. Yeah, the the uh, the thing about for a, for a few years in the late around three or four years ago, everybody was wondering what was China going to do, all right? Because China didn't really start becoming the primary buyer of, 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 of U.S. debt until ten years ago, and then their appetite went up, and the, there was a big backlash in China that they were just getting sucked into this American debt situation. So, but the Chinese wanted to keep us happy because they, they needed our exports so they fed us money but the more they got into it the more afraid they got that they were the only ones and the Americans go well they're trapped they have to buy our debt alright and so the Chinese were trying to figure out a way out not to do it so slowly they started buying less just slowly I mean just they didn't all of a sudden cut it off they just pulled back a little pulled back a little and pulled back a little and what they noticed was they pulled back and the American, the Fed came in. So all of a sudden they thought, we don't have to keep buying. We're not trapped. We're, I mean, they were trapped because they owned so much, but they didn't have to keep up this accelerated buying of U.S. debt. Now, the U.S. was trapped into selling more and more debt, but the Chinese were no longer trapped into buying all of it. All right. They didn't want to leave quickly because the whole market would collapse, and that's what it's worth. So, but the Chinese figured out that we'll just stop buying as much, pull back a little, pull back a little, and the United States found out they were trapped, and there was no, there was no real open market buying except by speculators who knew the Fed would buy it. And so the Fed, since that time, the Fed, the Fed owns more debt than any other entity on the planet now. They're trapped. They're trapped. And, and the Fed is very much like the Japanese market now. Because we're, we're both in what they call a liquidity trap. We have de deflating demand, all right? And the only way we can keep the economy still going is pouring artificial money into it. The Japanese, when their markets collapsed in 1990, they were an incredible economy. And since that time, they now have the largest GDP, the largest debt to GDP ratio in the world. It's huge. And it's because they had this huge speculative bubble collapse. Since that time, they, the, the real estate's lost 80%, never recovered. All right? The, the, the Nikkei was at 38,000 in 1990, and it's. Even 40. Yeah, 40, yeah. Yeah, and, and it went down, and it's still bouncing around near the bottom. And the only way Japan has survived is borrowing just to keep the, the, a momentum going. And, and, now, and now the United States is in that same position too, except, and they said, well, the United States, is, they're screwed because we can't borrow from, you know, we have to borrow from other people. Well, the Fed is, is doing it. And, and, and in fact, the, the other thing about why we're trapped is, is that, and it's the same thing with Japan, when you owe so much, an incremental increase in that interest rate is going to break the back. It's going to, you're going to, you're going to have to start paying more and more interest on, on the debt that you owe. And so they, they, that's why I, I was really curious about what you were going to say about what was going to happen with the bond market. Because, you know, I read this stuff, they're saying, oh, we're going to be forced into rising interest. I knew they were trapped, but
But I was waiting to see what you, and you said they're not going to do it either. Now I haven't finished and I'd like to finish <laughs> because I'm, I'm yeah. grateful for your input. But uh, I would like to finish what I started to say because not just because this answers the, will answer the question, but also because not many people realize this, that there is a big difference between open market purchases of uh, government bonds and what they call quantitative easing, which is direct purchases from the treasury, which is illegal, but not because it's illegal, why I'm objecting against it, but because a lot of people, financially sophisticated people, understand what the phrase means, and the phrase is monetizing government debt. Three words. That phrase covers a, 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 a very important ground, namely the uh, the uh, conversion of government that straight directly into banknotes. Now, uh, I have not many kind words to say about the dollar. Okay, as you presumably noticed by now. But I have to admit that that's not the worst monetary system there is. Because there is one more step down to hell, on the way to hell. There is another step. And this is the uh, direct issuance of currency by the treasury. You see, the uh, the uh, central bank, in this case the Fed, is a very clever invention to interpose between the market and the treasury. The treasury washes its hands. We are not printing money. This is done by a semi-private institution, not even government-owned, you see. And as a consequence, as long as this pretense can be kept up, you are relatively safe. But all these financially sophisticated people, a lot of them are investors, a lot of them are merchant banks, investment banks in other words, a lot of them are pension funds, and you could go down the line, they are not stupid. They understand when, uh, and they recognize when they see it, that this is monetization of government debt. In other words, quantitative easing one, quantitative easing two. Well, they had to invent this contorted, uh, quite meaningless phrase to <laughs> to throw dust into the eyes of the people. But they couldn't throw dust into the eyes of these sophisticated financial investors. However, they kept quiet because they said, let's see what the Fed is going 
to do next, and they were betting that there'll be quantity. They did easy three, or even four, and so on. And you see the hesitation of the Fed. The Fed is very much conscious of this, that there, there will probably not be a, it's not a good idea of quantitative easing three and four and five because the vast majority of people may be fools but they are sophisticated uh, financially sophisticated people there who understand very well what's going on if they see direct uh, conversion of government debt into currency, then they will act accordingly. They'll dump the currency. The bond speculators first among them, they understand what this the game is, quantitative easing, but they hold back for the time being because they realize the Fed is having second thoughts about the wisdom of this. And in fact, already Bernanke uh, announced that there, more or less, there won't be quantitative easing three. And in fact, he promised uh, uh, an end to this uh, zero uh, return, zero uh, uh, interest right. rate policy, more or less. Of course, he can always put, uh, with, uh, you know, read his words. But <laughs> anyhow, but what I'm trying to suggest to you is that there is a very big difference between open market operation on the one hand and direct monetization of that, and a lot of people are aware as I say, financially, so they are not majority, but they are the important people because they are managing funds, uh, commodity funds, they are managing pension funds, they are managing uh, other kind of funds, and they understand pretty well what is going on. And they are not going to put up with any kind of open-ended monetization of, of the debt. And that's why I would say we are now at the crossroads. We don't know which way the cat is going to jump. Because of the, the, there are forces on the Fed. The Fed would love to do this uh, quantitative thing, but they realize that they are bumping against these limits now. So uh, they are buying time and they might succeed. Now how much time is another question. I am no good at predicting. I have tried that, <laughs> trying to put time limits on this and that. But is the limitation that, would, I mean, to really re to ask the question again that Ludwig pointed out, what the hell is going to happen? If the financially astute people are watching it, and, and if the reason why the Fed has not moved, because there were a lot of people saying they were going to do that, we we're already going to be into it. They, the announcement was going to be made, and they never made it. All right? And people say, well, this is because the economy is improving. But if they don't, if they, if they cross the line, 
Is what you're saying is the 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 thing that's going to set off the, the 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 reaction is an attack on the dollar, a dumping the dollar? Is that what you're saying is going to happen, or the, the bonds? What the, oh, well, first the bonds. The bonds. Is it, but uh, okay, it won't take long. Once they start dumping the bonds, bonds. it won't take long okay. to to start. You know, international dumping of the dollar. And, and that might answer the other question about the stock market. I don't think this drama is being played in the stock market. A lot of people watch the stock market and try to get clues from it. I, I'm not one of them. I think the big show, the big show is the bond market. That's, and the big question is, at what point will the bond speculators stop supporting the bond market because they, they are the only ones oh, oh, perhaps not the only ones but uh, you count in the fund managers and so on and so forth but their understanding of the situation is way superior to the public understanding so the, the uh, if, if the Fed assumed that <laughs> you can fool all the people all of the time, then it, it would be an open-ended game for them. Yeah. But it's not. Okay. Because the, the, and the Fed does know that they cannot fool all the, the people all of the time. They know very well that they can only fool some people. And that is also some of the time. And, and therefore they are in a tight rope walking situation very delicate act and uh, this is the problem so watch the bond market and take your clues from there even the foreign exchange markets are useless <laughs> because you see the euro drops against the dollar and then it bounces back and you say here it is the dollar lost value in terms of you know, that means something I wouldn't read too much into that I wouldn't read too much the bond market is the thing to watch Professor you started to say that there's uh, one thing worse than, than the uh, US dollar uh, is, is the uh, outright monetization of government that with the interposition of a central bank or the central bank is is just irrelevant because so, the so treasury those, those people that that suggest that the treasury should bypass the central bank and issue debt directly um, How, I'm sorry there are people that that posit that that the, that the treasury should issue debt directly and not use the central bank bypassing. Oh, there are there are people. Well, dollars, yeah. Like, yeah, well, debt or dollars or whatever. <laughs> well, they do issue debt directly. They sell treasury bonds. No, but without the central bank, so they don't have interest. Then they, mm -hmm. they issue it directly to the public. That's what the treasury without, does right now. Without paying interest on it. Oh, I mean, okay. So basically, outright issuing money from the treasury. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what the professor said. That's even worse. Well, please understand this. The uh, uh, U.S. government is very happy to pay interest at zero percent. 
<laughs> right? Or, or 0.00 whatever percent, okay? They are very happy. But now suppose the market will push that up just a little to 1%. It's still extremely low by historical standards. Then it will be an enormous increase in the budget deficit. It will be an enormous increase because all these trillions, I mean, a very small increase in the rate of interest will be magnified as a very large uh, increase in the deficit. So then there will be pressure on the US government to issue money directly with the bypassing of the Fed. Because that means continuing zero interest, mm -hmm. there is no interest payable on the banknotes, whereas the government can still say, oh, we are paying the going rate of interest, because all these government bonds are still in existence. But in effect, they directly, the Treasury could directly monetize government debt, the treasury debt. So now that is a big question mark, to, to my mind at least, because I think this is coming. This is one of the last uh, rabbits to pull out of the sleeve by Bernanke or whoever. I think, as just a guess, but if the U.S. Treasury can print money directly that means zero interest borrowing. So, and people won't realize, except for those whom I already mentioned. And and therefore, this is something worth watching. Yes. There's an Ellen Brown who writes about this kind of stuff. If you read her writing, and I, I can't even. I can't even read it because it's so horrible that this last vestige of real market input or even the pretense of market input is gone. So that it becomes totally worthless. Oh, there was a sorry. Hold, yeah. hold your question. When you say watch the bond market, you watch the, the, um, the interest rate, right? Uh, or, or the volumes, or what do you mean by watch and the, or keep an eye on the bond market? And uh, my following question is, what do you suggest? When it rises, the, the interest rate rises, will there be a sudden collapse? Or would there be a, 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 what, what will happen? The, is that, <coughs> well, sorry, sorry, what no, did you say, Chris? You said can I keep, uh, keep an eye, or, or the most important thing to watch is the bond market. OK. Well, yeah. watch before you. you watch the stock market or yeah, the real estate the market. The exchange rate between euro and dollar, yeah. you say exchange market, market. Yeah. as the bond market. So I, I think what do you mean by watch the bond market? Okay. Watch the interest rate or the willingness to, to buy bonds or... All, all, the, all, everything. Watch volume, watch the rate of interest, watch the uh, uh, primary issues, how long does it take and what portion of the offering is taken up by the primary market and then watch the secondary market for snags and so on and watch the bond future market as well. 
you know, that's another thing, because you get a lot of clues from there. Though this is technical and I'm not the person to uh, really uh, give you direct uh, instructions how to do this watching. But all these things should be watched carefully and commented on and uh, and uh, use technical. I'm not really a great believer of technical analysis, but at the same time I would say I'm not going to dismiss it either. So I want to keep my eyes open and my ear to the ground because there might be indicators coming from technical analysis. So you watch the bond charts, you watch the, uh, there is such a thing as backwardation in the bond market, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we haven't really <laughs> had time to, uh, to study this, but uh, one could and probably one should. I would add that it's, it is worth watching, obviously, the market rate of interest, but watching the basis and the co-basis is actually watching the gold rate of interest. So that, to me, is, the, is, is more important than looking at the... Oh, absolutely. Of, you know. Yeah, but, but uh, th th there is a similar possibility. Mm. Basis in the bond market, uh, co-basis, we haven't studied it. But why not? And uh, time comes when probably this will be the thing. The uh, very crucial times are ahead. Yeah. Uh, unprecedented things will happen. And sometimes they will happen very quickly. And uh, there will be no time to develop a theory when that's what you need. <laughs> Bond basis or co-basis. Yeah. I just wanted to tie in this China theme with uh, the basis. The, uh, as I mentioned in my lecture yesterday, the dollar system is a closed loop. If China, if China has a surplus to the U.S., well, then they get you know hundreds of billions of dollars a year. What are they going to do with hundreds of billions of dollars a year? Well, they have to buy treasury bonds because there's nothing else you can do with that. Or they can buy hard assets from somebody. But that doesn't change the fact that those dollars are in existence. Now the seller of the copper mine now has those hundreds of billions of dollars. The dollar system is a closed loop. And all that money has to recycle either into the bond market or something. And so <clears throat> what I think is you have to look at the gold basis when the big players like China suddenly decide we're buying gold physical gold, and we're taking it home, and we're taking it out of the market, then that's the end, and you'll see the gold basis collapse, the gold co-basis will skyrocket, and that's the sign that everybody is ending the game of musical chairs, everybody's taking their chair home, and there's no more chairs left, essentially, as the gold co-basis rising uh, without, without bound, particularly in light of the gold price rising. If the gold price is going up several percent a day, and the gold co-basis is going up several percent a day, it would be time to panic, in my opinion. Maybe Sandeep might agree or disagree with that. But if gold, if let's say next month gold is three thousand dollars an ounce, and the gold co-basis is ten percent and rising, well, I'm I'm not actually of the opinion that permanent backwardation means no quote on the gold price. As I said in my lectures, I think it's more a realization 
that the gold interest rate is dominating the game rather than the, the fiat interest rate. So to me, to get a, a system of logical statements from gold backwardation to no price for gold doesn't, it's not, it doesn't actually follow necessarily to me. But um, what if the gold co-basis was rising rapidly and the price was rising? With the well, that doesn't price. mean that there is no offer for cash gold. I mean, from the way it's defined. No, obviously there is at that moment, but the fact that the co-basis is rising in light of a constantly or rapidly rising, exponentially rising price of gold. Yeah, but I, won't, I would suggest not concentrating on the price of gold full stop, just concentrate on the basis. You know, it's, it's, it's the rate of gold interest which is much more important than the price of gold, per se. And the only way to get the market rate of gold interest is to watch the basis and the co-basis. You know, market rate of gold interest, that's the way we have to start thinking now. You know, not gold price. Well, for the benefit of the... <coughs> of our uh, participants. Could you just say what a fast-rising co-basis actually means? Well, well, who is doing what in order to have this outcome? So, so the co-basis is a spread that one could earn if one were to sell cash gold and simultaneously buy uh, a future contract to recover the gold. So the market is saying, we will give you a risk-free profit to provide your gold to the market and we promise we'll give it back to you later. And the fact that that's positive uh, is a sign that something is abnormal um, because lots and lots of people have gold. There's no such thing as a gold shortage. Backwardation normally means shortage. And so what, I, what I'm saying, and Sandeep and I are kind of bantering back and forth, is if the co-basis is rising rapidly and gets into very large territory at the same time that the gold price is rising, it means that they're having more and more difficulty coaxing gold onto the market. That every, every person here is probably buying a few gold coins every now and then and taking them home. That gold that's leaving the market never to return. It cannot be the basis for, no pun intended, you know, futures and other gold market activities. It's just leaving and it's just buried under the floorboards. Well, little by little, there's, you know, obviously there's a finite quantity of gold. Little by little, it's disappearing. And then at some point, higher prices don't attract the gold back into the market. And so you see the co-basis co just rising and rising and rising. And so I'm, I'm positing if the co-basis hits 25% and rising rapidly while the gold price is rising exponentially, I, 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 that's a time to panic in my opinion. No, I'm not denying that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, it's over. I mean, maybe long before that, but if that happens, it's over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> any more questions? Really? Well, I'll a comment. Uh, this resonance stuff is duck soup for engineers. That's where we live. And first of all, in a static system, there's no such thing as resonance. If your weight is just sitting there, it's strong enough, no problem. And if you have a dynamic system and your theory only covers statics, then you've got a problem. Mm -hmm. And if you don't take into consideration resonance, your airplane winds will come off at a certain undesirable speed, how can bad things happen? But the other thing is you all probably have all heard of a slow-motion train crash. Well, the resonant frequency of this system is very low. It takes years, but the power is incredible. Uh, my, my own personal experience I'd like to relate it to you. You know, you've all seen a, 
a car hit a wall at you know, the most flat. In a second or a fraction of a second, it's crushed. And then you slow down the video to see what's going on. When I was a nine-year-old kid in Genoa Harbor when we were leaving uh, for Halifax, and a Navy ship came into the pier a little bit too fast. Now, a little bit too fast wasn't. It was walking pace. You know, just like this. And it went, touched the pier, and then the stone started to rise, and the bow started to crumble, and then the, the earth started to rise, and then you had about a two-story pile of earth and dirt and stone at this very slow speed. It was like on and on and eventually the ship stopped. So a few thousand tons of steel would not stop. Well, imagine the inertia of the whole world economy and the energy and the mass. So a, a, a so-called slow-motion train crash is not a bad way to put it. Excellent. Any, any more questions? I think uh, that's, that's it. Thanks very much, Professor. Well, thank you.